Hey. Hey. How's it going? <laughs> Sorry, I got too excited. That was that was a strong entrance into it. That's oh, good. yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to What Does the Bible Say About That? It's Reese and Will here again. Yep. Um, with round three of the same topic. God's what, purpose. Yep. What does the Bible say about God's purpose? Mm-hmm. So this is the other angle we're coming from, right? Yeah. We've got this view of God's purpose as being a multifaceted yes. purpose, which is biblical, mm-hmm. right? There's a verse in Ephesians 3, it's like, is it 9 or 8? Uh, let's just say 8 through 11. Yeah, it's somewhere in 8 through 11 talks about the multifarious, oh, it's verse 10, the multifarious wisdom of God mm-hmm. might be made known through the church. Yeah. And the next verse is about his eternal purpose. Right. So like his wisdom, it's multifarious, you see it from many angles. And we're going to look at a different angle today. So what angle are we looking at today, Will? We are looking at God's purpose and the angle of sons. 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 Many sons. Yeah, S-O-N, not S-U-N. Not S-U-N, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Like like a bloodline. Bloodline, yeah. Yeah. So how how do we start this? We haven't, I mean, so, I mean... I think that, to me this one is more, um, more I guess intuitive than the other two. So when you say intuitive, you mean like experiential? No, I mean more like you can kind of reason this one out. Reason I think. it. Um, okay. In that you know, you know, with Christ being the bridegroom, the first one, bridegroom and bride. It's like you don't really know that he wants a bride until you really get into the verses. Mm-hmm. The building one, it's kind of a little obscure at the beginning. You see it throughout, and then you're like, okay, God must really want a house. You know? Yeah. But this one, to me, it's like most you know, most of us have this conception of God being a father, um, God our father. Right, we even start our prayers like this. Yeah, God, yeah, that's Dear the... Dear Heavenly Father. Exactly. Jesus started his prayer like this. Yep. Of course, with Jesus, it might be a little more standardized. But... Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, to me, it's like this one's more like... Okay, if he's a father, then he must want sons. Yeah. You know, like any dad. Well, I can't say any dad. There's dads out there who just want one. But a lot, you know, most fathers want a big family. They want to have a big, um, what do you call it? (laughs) They want to have a a big lineage. Yeah, continuation. Yeah. um, Which, you know, might not be the right way to say it with God. But still. Well, that kind of gets into the spirit of what we're talking about. mm -hmm. It's like the depth of it is there's a continuation. Well... There's basically just an expression. You know, it's like a son is typically the expression of the father. It's like mm-hmm. a, this is my life. Look what I've produced. This is Yeah, it's a production of, yeah, a life production. Life production. And and once again, like, I like the angle that we've been going at with the other two podcasts in that you see it in, like, the beginning in Genesis, but you also see it kind of innate in man. And maybe we didn't talk about this too much, but... I mean, I know you and I have. I forget what, exactly what we shared. But um, because we're made in God's image, you see things in man that corresponds With to God. God. Yeah. Um, you know, there's no, you can't have the criticism of, uh, I learned this word in ninth grade, like anthropomorphizing God, making him out like a to be man when he's not, like you're casting human characteristics on God. But biblically, we have full ground to do this because God, Man is actually made in God's image. So you can see things in man that correspond to God, especially pre-fall, right? After the fall, it's like, yeah. it's like 
you know, it's hard to tell. It's still a muddy situation. But these things, like most humans want to get married, that's a picture of what's in God's heart. Mankind, basic need, wants shelter, you know. God's not obviously like looking to, you know, be, you know, kept from the elements. But, you know, to have a home is something that's in man too. And God's the same way. He wants a home, a place where he can rest. Right. And in the same way... With sons. Yeah, with sons. We want a family. Mm -hmm. We want an offspring, a continuation. And God's the same way. Yeah. Okay, so where should we start about what does the Bible say about the sons? Yeah. I think we should do... We should start in Genesis. I think that's a good way to go about it. Um, Where's the verse in this one? Most people know this verse. Are we going... uh... Basically, God wants a production of humans. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I actually, I really liked the prefacing it with um, a life production. Mm-hmm. Like as in sons, we could almost just replace that word or that phrase with a life production. He wants a life production. He wants something produced. Mm-hmm. Out of, I don't know. I'm just trying to yeah, make I'm, it more clear. Yeah, I think. I mean, we'll get. I think we'll get more into that. That's a big thing about the sons. It's something of life. Um, yeah, I mean, he wants us something of life. Yeah, okay. Yeah, let's but just jump in here. I'm thinking of Genesis 1.28, where the first commandment God gives to man, who's in his image, is to worship me, right? To serve me all the days of your life. No. No, that's not. I was I, you got I'm me. sorry. Well, I, just, <laughs> I, was like, I thought that would come out like a, a quicker yeah. no. But. Well, I was, I was kind of like <laughs> looking at the verse like, what? Well, I think I'm, something's wrong with me. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got a different translation, but... Okay. No, I mean, that's the point. It's like, right, it's not his first command. No, you would it's think that's else. our religious concept. Like, God wants worship, he wants service, but no, he wants man to be fruitful. Right, be fruitful and multiply. Yeah. Okay. Fill the earth and subdue it. And so this is... Um, a major part of God's, you know, command and what he wants in men is for them to multiply. Right. To have a increase on the earth. Um, but with the continuation of the theme that, you know, Adam is a type of him who was to come, Romans 5.14. Right. He's a type of Christ. God's commanding Adam to be fruitful and multiply is a picture of Christ. Yeah. Okay. I have a question about this. Okay. So if Christ was the firstborn, mm-hmm. but he's a type of Adam or Adam's a type of him, why isn't Adam considered the firstborn? The firstborn. Right. I mean, I don't know. I'm just thinking like if they're a type of each other, Christ is considered the firstborn. What makes, what's the difference? Yeah. I mean, I think they're very similar. I mean, they're like, you know, the, I think in first Corinthians, 1545, it says, you know, the first Adam became a living soul. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. And so, yeah, I think Adam is the firstborn. He's actually even in Luke called the son of God, but not in the same sense that we're going to get into as far as like someone who's actually has God's life and nature, but he is a, like the first, the production of God. Um, but I like where your question's at, because like, there's a verse in Colossians 2, not Colossians chapter 2, but in Colossians as well, as well yeah. Colossians 1, where it says, Christ is the firstborn of all creation. You know that verse? <laughs> yeah, I think I, knew, I do, but that's just kind of 
in the context that we're talking, it's a little... Yeah, no, this is a total bunny trail. I think yeah. that... Uh, no, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, what verse is that? Uh, it's like uh, 15, maybe? Or I don't know. 115. That sounds right, but I'm not 100% sure. He's the Im- image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Mm-hmm. The firstborn. Yeah, but I don't know if we should... I mean, that might be another podcast sure. talk, because I've really struggled with that verse, how it relates, but... Or how it... How do you understand it? Sure. Um, but yeah, this thought of God wanting sons is what we're really talking about here. This is something that's been deep in God's heart from eternity past, not just something that is arbitrary, maybe more like how we would view redemption. Um, redemption being something that, you know, as wonderful as it, as it is and how much we appreciate it, it is something that had to come due to something that happened with man in Genesis 3. Yeah. It's not necessarily the eternal purpose of God because it starts in time and it ends in time, right? Redemption is needed in Genesis 3 and everything's thrown into the lake of fire in Revelation 20. And so it's like, it's a huge part of the narrative, but it's not what's governing God's, you know, purpose. It's not the, the intent behind it. Yeah. And so maybe we, I think a good verse to go to would be Ephesians 1, uh, maybe verse 5, the beginning of Ephesians 1. You want to take that one? Sure. Um, it says, I'm, I'll read this. It's a little section of verses. It says, and starting verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and without blemish before him in love, predestinating us unto sonship through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. So that verse five is the one that I was really hitting on or that I'm really thinking of, namely that he predestinated us in eternity past he, before anything is happening, this was our destiny. He saw, chose us, picked us, selected us unto sonship through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will. This is something in his heart that makes him happy, that, that is like corresponds to what he's been after the whole time. This is what he longs for. And so this is something definitely part of God's eternal purpose yeah. in the beginning. Yeah, well, I can think of another verse, too, that corresponds with that sum, which mm-hmm. is Romans 8. Okay. So Romans 8, there's uh, a development somewhat. But I'll, I'll read Romans eight twenty eight. This is kind of a famous verse, but it's tied into 29. Um, okay. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Mm-hmm. We have the word purpose there. Yeah, purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Mm, that's good. Firstborn among many brothers. Among many brothers. So I really like this because there's even a development. I mean, this is kind of a brief overview, but there's a development from, you know, the famous verse, John 3.16. Yeah. Where now he, he's the only begotten son yeah. in John. Mm-hmm. But something happens. Yeah. Something happens where now he's not just the only begotten son, but he becomes the firstborn. Yeah. Which means there's some after him. There's yeah. There's a secondborn and a thirdborn. I mean, I'm, you know, I don't. Yeah. That that we should get into 
who the numbers are, but <laughs> the fact is, right, he's the firstborn among many brothers, which means there's people that are, he's done something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think there's another good verse that corresponds to that. I like the only begotten and the firstborn like connection there. Um, and that's, uh, it's uh, in John, John twelve twenty four relates to this. Um, there's the banner verse for the brothers, Karamazov, one of my favorite books. Uh, it says, I think I know that book. It's good. It's a should, Russian. Should I read it? Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. I have a hard time reading. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, John twelve twenty four. <laughs> says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless the grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And so in this verse, you have Jesus as the grain of wheat. He's referring to himself. Unless the grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, referring to his death and burial, it abides alone. So he's the only begotten. He's the only son of God. The only one. Yeah. But if he dies, if it dies, it bears much fruit. And so what is the, what, if you bury a grain of wheat into the ground and it dies, what's going to come forth? Does it bear forth watermelons? No, yeah. it's going to be wheat. Yeah, wheat. It bears what it is. What it is. Yeah. Okay. And so in Christ's death and burial, it's likened to a seed being buried. It produces fruit, more of itself, in a sense, which is mind-blowing. And also it sounds like borderline heretical. Because, I mean, in my thought, it's like, but Jesus is God. You know, Jesus is the son of God. I mean, yeah. like, he's the one we worship and adore. And so how do you, I mean, how do you, how do you reconcile that? What do you think? Well, yeah, I'm just considering. Because it is, it, it seems like we're walking on a fine line. Uh-huh. But with the verses we've read, we have really solid ground to keep going off where we're going. Yeah. You know, it's like, because we're, we're I think the, the, you know, right, the point we're getting at is maybe even the definition of, like, what makes us a son. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like we were in just in this, we weren't in just this universal cosmic adoption center, hmm. you know, it, and then God, like, just chose us out of, out of, for some reason, you know. Yeah. It's like he had an intention to place his life in us. Yeah. I like that you bring up, like, the adoption, because I think that's what most people... Cons- or think about it. So they think of it's like a legal adoption. Um, but I don't think that's what the Bible talks about. I mean, the word adoption is used in the scriptures because there is a legal aspect to it. We were bought, right, with a right. price. Um, but there's other verses that make it clear that this is actually a beginning of God, like a life transaction. I mean, now, just to adjust what I'm saying, it's like we don't believe that we become an object of worship or we right, become, not, you know, no. like the creator type thing. But it's like, but in a way we do share in God's life. Like there's aspects of God that are communicable that we participate in. And by virtue of those, we are made into something different. We're no longer just, you know, just, you know, created humans, but we actually have God's life in us joined to us. Yeah. Right. I mean, th- I think this is seen clearly too in uh, John three with Nicodemus. Mm, yes, like, yes. You know, because Nicodemus at the time, you know, the Jews are in the Old Testament considered God's children. Yeah, that's right. You know, and then Nicodemus is asking Jesus in John three, you know, how can I inherit, you know, 
eternal life? How yeah. can I, how can I get this? What you what you're doing? You know, I've I'm very you know Nicodemus is older. He's probably very high up in. Mm-hmm. Is he a Pharisee? Right. Yeah, he's a ruler. Yeah, and a ruler Pharisee. of the Pharisees. Yeah, right? and so I mean he's he is done it. You know, I mean, he, he, I'm sure he knows most of the old Testament, Mm -hmm. whatever. So, but Jesus' answer is very specific. It's, you got to be born again. Yeah. And then his concept, which is, it's almost in a sense, it's the thing that we're talking about. It's like, he doesn't have the view that I'm receiving another life. Mm -hmm. It's more like I'm following these rules. I've been brought into maybe even a, a, like I've been brought into the household of God or I am in the household of God. And so when I follow these rules, I'm considered under his roof. Yeah. You know, but what Jesus's answer is, is like, that's not, that's not enough. That's not why I'm coming. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not the point of how you inherit eternal life. It's a rebirthing. Yeah. There's a, there's a re, I mean, we, we receive God's life. John 10, 10, I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's all these verses, especially in John, John saw something specific you know, that, that ties everything together. Not that he's any, you know, anyways, the the gospels all present something different, but the point in John, I think the point that we're really getting at is that God's intention or God, what God wants is for there to be humankind and human people that also possess his life. I mean, that's one of the pictures that Christ is, Mm -hmm. is that's why he's considered the firstborn. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that John. That was the verse. I was the main thing I was thinking of. John presents this in so many different ways. Both in his epistles, he talks all about being begotten. This term, begotten, begotten, and it totally undermines this thought that you know our becoming sons is a matter of just legal adoption solely. Right? Legal adoption is true, and that is wonderful. Like we become yeah. sons in this, like we inherit God in His riches, but. There's also this life aspect. They're one and the same. Our, our being adopted also includes God's life and God's nature. Um, and so the verse in John I was thinking of, John 1, 12 and 13, it says, But as many as received him, so a matter of receiving, to them he gave the authority to become children of God, to those who believe into his name, who were begotten, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Yeah. Begotten of God. So that, that, I think the flesh part there is kind of addressing the Jewish thought. Yeah. Your thought, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And so this is a huge thought. I mean, we, and there's a, the, so the, for the nature part, Second Peter 1, 4 talks about we are partakers of the divine nature. Yeah. What does that mean? I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's a, that's kind of a crazy verse. It is. Yeah. We're partakers of the divine nature. Yeah. I wouldn't be, feel comfortable saying that unless Peter did. Right. But that's his view. It's like when we are being filled with the Spirit, when we receive Him, when we enjoy Him, you can say participate in Him, have fellowship with Him. Fellowship and participate are the same word in Greek. We're actually taking Him in and taking in all that He is in His nature, in His life. Um, Obviously, and just those aspects that are communicable, the things that make us sons, the things that um, we're allowed to participate in. Obviously, we will never participate in the Godhead, never be... um, you know, exalted in a place of worship, yeah. never be creating, created, none of the omnis. None of the omnis, yeah. But, but in our nature, we will be totally transformed. Yeah. We'll have a spiritual body. Um, it even says in First John 3, 2, when we don't know what we'll be like, but when we see him, we will be like him, even as he is. Yeah, that's a good point. And so Jesus in his dying, it's like a seed, 
and then out comes the spirit with the open side. You have the water flowing out and it flows God into us. And it, it, it's something we partake of and enjoy and it changes us from within. Yeah. I mean, don't you think this is pretty clear too in John 15 where it's the vine and the branches? Yes, exactly. It's like the, the branches, what are they? I mean, it, there's nothing different in, a, in, the, in the sense of life. It's like the same nutrients. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, I'm not a botanist. You know, I don't know all that stuff. But yeah. Basically, you know, it's like I, I know enough to know. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, the 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 roots are in the ground. Yeah, they're absorbing nutrients. It's going through the stem mm-hmm. into the branches, producing the fruit. Mm-hmm. And so the life flow is yes, all the, the same. Flow. Yeah, like that life flow. And that's Jesus's. Um, it's like his petition. It's his warning. Mm-hmm. It's his commandment. I mean, you know, John fifteen four. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And so I think this is a good verse just to talk about, especially like what we're not saying. Yeah. Like apart from the vine, you're nothing. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's like, it's not like we receive a life and then all of a sudden by ourselves we're some grand mm-hmm. God. I mean, that's not it. That's not what we're saying. Mm-hmm. And c- because that's not what Paul or Peter or Jesus, in, any of them said, Jesus is saying, you abide in me. And then out of that life flow, you produce something. Yeah. You know, it's even like the fruits of the spirit. Yeah. Why are they considered fruits of the spirit? It's mm-hmm. because when we're joined to the life of God, mm-hmm. then the fruits come out, the peace, the patience, because it's something that's divine. It's from a divine yeah. character. It's divine characteristics. Yes, Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, this is huge. There's so many other verses that talk about the sonship and talk about what we become. Um, but it's very clear this is a huge part uh, that's deep in God's heart. Ephesians first talks about it's part of his good pleasure. It's part of his good will. He is a father. He has an only begotten son, and he will always have that stance. But he's also the firstborn among many brethren. And so God, as a beginning father, doesn't want just one son as a father, he wants many, many sons in the same way. So there's a verse, actually, I think we should at least do one more in Revelation because we're doing this theme of the bookends. Like yeah. you have to see it at the beginning and the end. Yeah, where would that be? So Revelation 21, 7 says, He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be God to him, and he will be a son to me. And so in the very end, um, just as there's a bride and a bridegroom, there's this big wedding. Just as there's this city in which God dwells for the building, there's also this thought that's, that spans the scriptures, which is God wants to be a father and wants us to be his sons. So I think maybe that, that'd be good for now. Well, what about the girls? Girls are sons too in the Bible, and I think we should just not address not that. Not even go there. No. Oh. <laughs> well, the guys are also the brides. That's awesome. That's right. <laughs> it's out. It's fair. Oh man. So you want to give them another snippet of what we're thinking for next week, or do you, or, or next podcast, or do you want to talk <laughs> about it first? I don't even know. Okay. I didn't know you were going to do sons last time. So. Yeah. Well, okay. How about I just throw it out there? Yeah. Which one? What do you want to do? I don't know. What, I don't even remember the five, actually. <laughs> so we, I know we have... We Maybe have, we do Kingdom next. Oh, I'm excited. Okay, Kingdom. You want to give them a verse or should we not even? Yeah, how about it's... <laughs> I was hoping you were going to like pause it when I would like start talking. No, we can do that. Okay. okay.